Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. This is Jonathan Munchaw. Today, I am joined by Gagana from our Talos Incident Response Team and Saskia from the CX team at Cisco. Thanks for coming on, you guys. I appreciate it. Could you guys, uh, you know, start out by introducing yourselves? Tell me a little bit about what your your roles are, especially since this, this is the first time I've had you both on the show. Yeah. Hi, Jonathan. Nice to meet you. I'm Saskia Schroer, and I'm part of the Security Center of Excellence in EMEA. I'm a security consulting engineer, and my team offers basically a wide range of security advisory services, such as security evaluation center consulting, building security architecture frameworks, doing threat modeling, to just name a few. I'm based in Zurich in Switzerland, and I'm also doing a PhD actually in cybersecurity at the University of Liechtenstein. Thanks for having us today. I'm Gergana Karajova, an instant response consultant with Cisco Taos, also based in the beautiful Swiss Alps. So today we're going to be talking about chat GPT and, and kind of AI as a whole and its effects on cybersecurity and the, and the threat landscape in general. So I know this is a, the reason why I'm having you guys on is because I know this is a topic that you've been talking about and presenting on very recently. Can we kind of start out by, by talking about what this talk is that you guys have been giving and what some of the things that you're uh, looking into at this point? So the work that Saskia and I are doing is focused on the practical application of AI for offensive purposes. And the way we approach the topic is actually through two different but complementary perspectives. We start off with a review of what is technically possible, what proof of concepts for offensive AI are out there, and where do they fit in the overall cyber kill chain model. To make this a bit more specific, because that sounds quite abstract, researchers, for example, have been able to develop a machine learning tool called PassGAN, which is much better at guessing passwords based on the researchers' uh, outcomes uh, if we compare it to our standard tools like Hashcat and John the Ripper. So this machine learning tool, PassGAN, can learn autonomously the distribution of real passwords from actual password leaks and generate password guesses. And these password guesses are much better than the ones you'd get from traditional tools. If you imagine the following scenario, Let's imagine an organization which had its Active Directory in compromised. The threat actors were able to steal the NTDS.DIT database to decrypt it. And now they can feed all of those passwords into the PassGAN tool and choose it to generate new passwords, which would have a much higher chance of actually being success successful if we compare them with other traditional tools. A tool like this is out there and it's available for threat actors to be used. And then we come to the second part of, of what we look at in our uh, work with Zaskia. Are actually threat actors using these tools? Are they actually updating their toolkit to be AI powered? And to be honest, this is a hard question to answer. There are a lot of, to a lot of factors which play a role. And maybe the answer that we'll give today would already be obsolete tomorrow. So I think the first thing that probably comes to people's minds when they hear about these tools is that it's only going to give threat actors or attackers like superpowers. And, you know, this goes for everything outside of the threat landscape too. Like I've just seen headlines from everywhere about like this stuff is coming to take your jobs, very hyperbolic uh, language that people are using. 
But at least from, you know, what I've heard from talking to our reacher so far is that that's not necessarily the case that it, like may help attackers, but it certainly isn't going to be this foolproof system that the, the bad guys can rely on all the time. Is that general consensus correct? Like, is that something that you guys are also finding? Yeah, exactly. We, we definitely agree. So AI is essentially a tool that can be used in a variety of ways. And looking at ChatGPT, so basically one example that actually one of our Talos experts, Martin Lee, mentioned at Cisco Live in mm -hmm. Amsterdam this year. So he basically said, I'm not sure if you've heard it, ChatGPT is like a screwdriver. It's like when you create a nuclear weapon, you need a screwdriver. But just because you have a screwdriver doesn't mean you can suddenly build a nuclear weapon. And it's similar with malware and ChatGPT. So first of all, let's face it, it's not trivial to ask ChatGPT to do some malicious tasks. So one way, for instance, to, to tell ChatGPT to create something malicious is that you ask it to imagine something. So for instance, to imagine a movie scene where, I don't know, an attacker is building malware and you need some steps to basically understand how this is done. Or also an alternative would be a technical request and basically obfuscate the malicious intent of the request to ChatGPT with technical terms. If you achieve this, so that ChatGPT actually helps you to, to define some steps of how you can build malware, it's still not the golden source of malware so that you suddenly have perfectly building, built malware that has never been created before. In fact, there's so many things to, to take into consideration when it comes to building malware. It should be stable, it should be lightweight, capable to run on different OS system, systems, it should be hard to detect. So if you don't really have enough exercise, it's probably still easier to buy malware in the darknet or to use all of the other information that is out there compared to just using ChatGPT. So this is just the case with ChatGPT, right? And ChatGPT is basically one natural language processing application. But there are also other examples of how adversaries could use natural language processing. So, for instance, combining open source intelligence and open source intelligent tools with natural language processing and using it for spare phishing, where we've seen lots of articles in the news lately. In fact, my LinkedIn, I think, has been spammed with these articles almost. And also the example that Gagana mentioned. It, basically, AI is a tool that attackers can use. And it might help them to drive more targeted attacks, more sophisticated attacks. Attackers are not just going to use AI for the sake of using AI. I mean, there needs to be a purpose. It needs to be feasible. It needs to be providing benefits to the attackers or reduce costs. So it's not the sudden superpower. It is for sure providing some help and might change the threat landscape to some extent. But it's not the sudden superpower. And then what about the defense side of things here? Can researchers and those who are writing detection use these tools to, to their benefit? I mean, like specifically at Kalos, I know I can speak to the fact that some of our analysts, especially who write like snort rules and claim AV6, they use machine learning in a variety of ways and have for years. So it's not like it's nothing, it's that something new that's come from chat GPT all of a sudden. So what are some of the ways that offenders might be able to leverage AI and these kinds of tools? So I'm going to answer this question from a research perspective. And there are basically two ways in which we can use AI. So one is for threat intelligence and analysis purposes. And the second is in our security products. So we are already using, we, in this case, I'm talking about Cisco. We are already using AI in many of our security detection and monitoring tools. 
such as Cisco Secure Network Analytics, Cisco Secure Email. And just with the attackers, we, we need to keep building in cutting-edge functions. And if there's a use case for the application of AI within our product, then we should definitely use it and well, basically simplify the advantage, basically use the advantage to constantly improve our security defense with AI. In some cases, however, it's also not so easy to actually implement AI in our security product. So from a research perspective, machine learning-based cyber threat detection is kind of challenged by a lack of labeled data to train these detection systems. And well, basically it requires a lot of precise characterization of security events to actually create these data sets. And maybe lag is a bit overstated, but for sure there is a difficulty in getting these data sets. I mean, this is a challenge that we see, but apart from that, AI also requires some additional consideration when using it in our products. So on the one hand, we need to understand, for instance, the data it has been trained on. So the data the model has been trained on, also from a privacy standpoint. And we also need to make sure that these models are robust and safe. So one research topic, which is kind of, let's say, a bit more recent, is, for instance, adversarial machine learning. And this topic focuses on how adversaries can create adversarial samples which are basically designed to fool AI-driven detection methods. And this is not just a research trend. Even Mitra has released Atlas, which is the adversarial threat landscape for artificial intelligence system. A lot of hyperbolic headlines out there about these types of tools right now. And I think a lot of FUD, basically, you know, fear, uncertainty, doubt around this. What do you think is kind of the, the biggest thing around these tools that people kind of need to change their outlook on. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely true. As I said, with the LinkedIn spam, I mean, there's a lot of headlines on LinkedIn and also the news around ChatGPT recently. And definitely like any other new technology, it will change the labor market to some extent. Just last week, actually OpenAI, which is the company behind ChatGPT, released a study on the impact of GPT on the labor market. So if you're interested in their perspective, have a look at it. And well, basically their findings show that approximately 80% of the US workforce could have at least 10% of their work tasks affected. I mean, we know that natural language processing and AI will change the way we work for sure, but for, we also for now need to still wait and see how the exact effects will look like. And talking about misconceptions, I think in terms of headlines related to ChatGPT, the biggest misconception is that we just talk about ChatGPT all the time. And ChatGPT is essentially one application of large language models, which waste a lot of mass attention. But there's actually so much more behind these large language models. There's the entire GPT family, there's Lambda, Palm from Google, there are open source alternatives and much more. And here we still just talk about natural language processing, where AI is actually even more, unsupervised learning. I don't want to go into too many details here, but there are many different algorithms and there's a lot of progress in AI lately. Um, the general public gets the feeling that overnight we have this huge advance in technology and this is going to give an unfair advantage maybe to a specific group. And this is rarely the case because if you think about it, just like ChatGPT and other machine learning models, they have been out there for a long time. They're publicly accessible. so. Both parties, both the defenders and the threat actors actually have equal access to them. And this makes um, the game of 
cat and mouse actually fun because they do a step forward and we are not sleeping. We are also doing a okay. step forward. So um, this perception of, of an imminent threat is probably something which is quite exacerbated by the social media. But in reality, um, we, we keep up with each other. So is there anything else that I, that I missed on this topic in general that you guys wanted to make sure we cover? So if you think about what, what influences how quickly we see AI being used by threat actors, there are factors that make the adoption faster and there are factors that put a break on, it, on the adoption. And just like any, any traditional organization, threat actors, um, be they state-sponsored or financially motivated, they actually have limited resources. The limit is set at a different stage, but they have limited resources and they need to make a decision whether or not they're going to use AI in their, in their processes. To give an example, the speed of AI adoption is probably supported. So faster adoption is supported by the chance to have greater scalability of attacks, to have more efficient attacks in the terms that you, you have fewer people actually uh, working behind the scenes. And uh, in some cases to have a lower risk of attribution. For state-sponsored actors, this would be something which would be a benefit. On the other hand, so what could be a, a negative side of using AI, this is you need to put some investment time, so some development work into up updating your malware to be AI-powered. And then you need to maintain this code. The more complex the code is, the more time and, and uh, development effort you need in order to keep it running bug-free. So these are factors that actually balance each other. And that's why we don't, as, as long as we see a very organic development of AI, we, we will continue to see a rather moderate adoption speed. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys very much for your time today. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, and hopefully we can find something else to talk about in the future. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us.